Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This shows a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive screw-ups, <laughs> as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Orange Crushing It. I am your host and CEO of The Mr. Orange. My name is Frank Clark, also known as Mr. Orange, and I am beyond excited again today because I have a very good friend of mine joining us on the broadcast. This guy and I have met a few years back at a Tony Robbins event, and he's become a really good friend. He and I have the same twisted sense of humor, so <laughs> tend to laugh at just about everything the same. And he's, his name is Adrian Park. And Adrian, just a little backstory on Adrian. He spent about the first 15 years of his career in banking, working for JP Morgan in Chicago. He then leveraged all that knowledge and co-founded Sage Private Wealth Group, also in Chicago. And the company just took off. It was exploding. A lot of exponential growth in just three years. But even despite all that, in spite of all the success that he was having, he was at 40 years old. He ended up getting divorced, separated from his kids, out of the Sage business, and found himself homeless and driving for Uber in Chicago. At 40 years old, man, his life took a, a major twist. And then he turned it all around. And right now, he's the CEO of a construction business, Alex Restoration in Western PA. And over the last four years, Adrian's been very instrumental, if you will, and a leader in that industry. He's doubled the revenue in that company. But here's the cool part. He increased the profitability by 47 times, 47 times of profitability. That's friggin' amazing. And he's an innovative guy. He loves to thrive. He's great energy, great fun. Welcome to the show, Adrian. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. So what a hero story. You're riding high, right? You got all the trappings of success, right? Probably the house, the car, all, all of that, right? And then yeah. man, right off the ledge. Tell us a little bit about you, you know, what's, where you come from and, and what you're all about. Yeah, well, I'm actually, so I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm originally from Western Pennsylvania. I didn't ever plan on being back here. <laughs> I went to school in the Midwest at um, North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, actually studied theology and decided in my junior year that I wanted to go into investments, you know, selling investments. And so I did. And I landed in Chicago and Never, ever, ever wanted to leave Chicago. <laughs> Fun so it's a, great, it's a great town. I sort of felt like I was an adopted Chicagoan. But while I was there, I started a family. I had a very good career in banking and investments at J.P. Morgan. And then at 40 years old, like you said, you know, uh, in my bio, had nothing and was and like homeless isn't that's not like a euphemism or that's not hyperbole <laughs> like i would i had a car and i would sleep in my car and i would go out and places i used to entertain at i you, you would take people out to like hotels you know and use the lobby bars to take people to drinks and whatnot and I happened to know some of these places really well because I had frequented them as a banker. Right. And so I would go back and use their handicap bathrooms, which was a private bathroom. 
And that's where I would clean up in the morning to then go out and get dressed and go out and drive. So as an Uber driver. Grab a couple olives off the bar, maybe lemon (laughs) rind. (laughs) It was, it was an interesting experience. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, at night I would pee in a milk jug and you know, you wanted to save it for some reason. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the last thing I wanted was the police to roll by and to see me outside, you know, doing that. So I would anyway. So it was, I mean, that's very real. And so, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't plan on, I've never planned on leaving investments. I certainly didn't plan on, being in construction, uh, you know, it just sort of happened. I think like, like, like does, right. I mean, life sure. happens and I consider myself, I don't want to say lucky, although there's an element of luck and sort of like, you know, grace and everything, I believe, but I feel blessed and, and I'm grateful that, you know, I hit rock bottom so early. Right. And mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, not at 60, not at 70, not at 55, but, you know, with a lot of experience at the time and grateful that that happened then because it wasn't easy at all, but I was grateful that it happened early. At least that's the story. I told myself that it was early. I also am grateful that I kind of stumbled on some of Tony Robbins videos on YouTube because I certainly couldn't afford any of his material. Um, I stumbled on his stuff and just started like, you know, just inhaling it. And that was really the beginning of like, of coming back, if you will, from the dead professionally and personally. I mean, I was, it was a very dark time in my life. You know, I went to the darkest places, you know, you, you know what those are and decided not to do some of the things that I could, was thinking about doing in terms of taking my own life. And I'm grateful, you know, because today, as you said, I have a second career in construction and I'm having the most fun in life uh, that I've ever had. Uh, You know, I've got the gift of, you know, seeing my children and spending time with them over FaceTime now. Uh, That wasn't happening before. I have this business that I run that I love and that have come to love, you know, cause I didn't, there were times where it wasn't so good. I mean, those numbers, oh, yeah. you know, those numbers are true today, but they weren't true a couple of years ago. In fact, oh, it was absolutely. the opposite. Well, any yeah. entrepreneur that's listening is going to understand that fully. Right. I mean, if you, absolutely. Business, you know, we know the, the, the ebbs and flows, right. And we know that sometimes it's okay. It's ramen noodle week. <laughs> that's all we can, right. can afford. Right. Cause yes. it's a big payroll or whatever. Absolutely. Takes, right? Yes. So, I have experienced those things now in two different businesses. You know, I mean, I was fortunate, you know, the business that I founded with my partner in Chicago, you know, we had a lot of early success, but the first year and a half, we put a lot of money in and the business ended up in a good place, but we made sacrifices and, you know, put money in to make payroll and all the stuff that I know you've done as well. It's, you know, and I've made similar sacrifices in this business in the last couple of years. But that's what it takes. You know, one of the things you mentioned, and I find it interesting, you said, at 40, this all happened, right? And you said, and I had enough time. It's amazing to me how many people out there, and maybe there's some people that are listening right now, that go, oh my God, at 40, because there's people, I'm sure they're listening to the broadcast that are under 40 and thinking, oh my God, to start all over again at 40, yeah. I gave up 40 years of my life. Yeah. But you didn't really give anything up. And, you know, yeah, you've lost some money monetarily and, you know, your standard of living obviously changed. Sounds like, an interesting way to put it. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. I, you, you were dead broke. You know, <laughs> shit. If I wasn't such a, you know, 
<laughs> avid Lyft driver, or Lyft participant, <laughs> Lyft customer. You know, you and I could have been friends with you met. met through Uber. No, but I just find it fascinating that you like, okay, at 40, I still had a lot of my life left. And that's a great perspective because some people think that at 25, oh shit, there's things that aren't happening for me. I'm yeah. over. 30, I'm over. But even 55, I mean, I read in my entire life, basically, at 60. You rise from the ashes, as you will, right? Yeah. And you find the intestinal fortitude. You find the, what's in you. And I know you have that. That's that orange energy, that drive, that, yeah. that driven, that, that, that sense of yes. accomplishment, that, you know, that never say never kind of mentality. And uh, congrats to you for, for well, recognizing it. And, you know, yeah. for looking at your life and going, I'm still young, no matter what time of life it is, right? Well, I think, you know, there was, um, I mean, I live in Western Pennsylvania. I live in, in downtown Pittsburgh. So I have to, I have to say this. One of my reference points, uh, I'm actually getting chill bumps telling you this as I, as I go into this thing that I remembered. So, you know, one of the things that I did well when I had nothing and there was no, you know, because during that time, like as I was bouncing along on the bottom, you know, I was trying to put deals together. I tried to put deals together for some friends of mine out East. I tried to put deals together with some people that I had met before I left Sage. And, you know, I, none of those things worked, none of them. And then like I had this experience where, and I've actually never told this story publicly. So I had this experience where um, it was early 2016. So this is just a little more than four years ago and I'm out driving one morning. And so I would, I would get up at like between 2.15 and 3.15 in the morning because one, I was terrified that I was going to pick somebody up that I knew, you know, because here I was a hotshot banker with, you know, then with my own business and then I'm, I'm nothing, right? Or at least that was my, you know, what I believe. And so I would get up super early, but then I also, what I did by, what I learned or discovered by doing that was that you could end up doing a lot of rides to the airport early in the morning because people get up to fly early, which I had forgotten I used to do. So it was kind of, you know, it was slick because it was like, you got paid really good to go to Midway or O'Hare. And it was just like, you know, a couple of them, sort of like all these dinks and dunks and dodging early morning traffic. So one morning I'm out and doing all these people, picking people up at their apartments, taking them downtown, you know, to their office buildings. And I get a name that I recognize that happened often because, you know, I knew a fair amount of people and knew a lot of people in Chicago. And you don't see pictures. So at least this is goes back four years. I don't know what it was like now, but back then you didn't have a picture of who you're picking up, just the first name. So I see that and I go, okay, you know, I know someone with that name. I go to pick, I make a left on this person's street and I'm one building away. And I see that it is my former assistant at JP Morgan oh. and her boyfriend partner, I think now husband, I'm assuming they got married. I don't know standing outside of their building and he used to work on my team. So oh, that's actually wow. how they met. So she was my assistant. He was on my team at JP Morgan and I'm now going to pick them up and be their Uber driver. So like all of these like, around the block about eight times. Well, so <laughs> I canceled, I canceled the ride immediately okay. and made a hard, quick right-hand turn to the semi-circle drive in the building next to theirs went the other way, called one of my best friends and was like, you're not going to believe what happened. He also happens to be a real estate investor. And I was like, give me something to do, please. I cannot, because I, I had no deals. I had nothing. I had no job prospects. I'm just driving for Uber. And I'm, you know, as a business person, entrepreneur inside, I'm going out of my mind. Right. Right. 
So I was like, give me something to do. He would cold call property owners in Nashville. He's in Nashville, and like a dear friend of mine. And he's brilliant. And he made great money basically finding people that wanted to sell, connecting, like doing the deal where he would sell. He would go put money down and then turn and basically, I think it's called a signing, assign that to a uh, contractor developer and then they would develop it. And so he'd make a little bit, they'd make a little bit when they sold it to the end, you know, buyer. And it was a great business for several years. So I was like, give me your list. I will call everybody. Now, but was this guy now driving for Lyft? Did he, I mean, what happened to the people that were standing by there waiting well, to get to the airport? Well, they, is, least, is there they, a happy ending for them? Well, they, 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 driver? they, I'm sure they got another ride. <laughs> okay. And I'm sure they had a story because as an Uber driver, your pay, face was on there. Oh yeah, that's right. They yeah. saw that Adrian was coming to pick him up. The way I played the story out of my head is they had a story like, guess who was going to be our Uber driver this morning? Right, right. right. So it was incredibly successful now, right? There you go. Went to <laughs> well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that part, but that was a story I told myself back then. And so, so I used that though. So, I mean, I didn't use it. I wasn't thinking of use, as using it back then, four years ago, I was like, I said to my buddy, I'm like, give me something to do. And so I cold called people in Nashville to ask them if they wanted to sell to, to Josh, sell to us. And that's how I started. I thought this was the way back for me. So a couple months after cold calling, basically every day for two to four to five hours, I had three deals in the pipeline. Two were under contract and one was like, um, he was getting to a contract, like where he'd put, put a contract together and put uh, earnest money down. All those deals, all of those deals, it was like 30 grand to me, which was like, you know, a windfall. All, right? sure. all of them died. Oh, no. And so... So in the meantime, I thought, well, I can do this. I can cold call from anywhere. So I moved out of the apartment I couldn't afford in Chicago back to Newcastle where my parents lived. They moved back with my parents, which is an incredible experience. If you ever have the chance <laughs> at 40. It's a little humbling. Yeah, sure. Back in with your folks. <laughs> yeah. Start was cold calling. All three deals fall apart. So now I'm in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, population 25,000 people. And I'm basically making the decision, do I go to Dunkin' Donuts or so I go to McDonald's to work because there's nothing around you. Isn't it amazing how, you know, we have all this great experience in our life. And then when we hit a spot where we go, okay, you lose something great, like your career, okay? Or, yeah. or, or your relationship or whatever, right? It's devastating at the moment. And right away, we forget that we've learned anything. We automatically go right, right. to the bottom. Oh, I got to be a barista at Starbucks. Not to, right. hey, any of you baristas at Starbucks right now that are listening, by the way, I'm not downplaying no, being not a great barista. Right. What I am saying, though, is we always forget that we have human capital, all the people we know, all the friends we have. Right? We've right. collected all this, especially over 40 years, right? And talents, all of our skills and all that. But it's amazing how we go, nope, I can't do anything anymore. I'm yeah, just, I'm toast. I'm done. It's <laughs> over. Life's over. Check right. the box. So it's fascinating that you start that you think that way. But it's, it's also quite common, right? It people. is. I mean, I was... I mean, at that point, you know, it was at that, that was now June of 2016. I was halfway through 2016, six months before that I'd made the decision not to kill myself. And so I was past that point, but I was literally like, I don't know what to do. You know, am I going to call my professional contacts and they're going to be like, where are you? Well, I'm in Duke. You know, like I just, I didn't know where to go. And so actually what I did was I, after that deal, those deals all fell apart. And what I didn't know what was happening at the time is that basically the margin in the Nashville uh, real estate market, the margin for what we're doing basically got squeezed out because the price 
where people were selling at, all the comps were higher than we could, that Josh could afford to offer. And that's what happened. So I saw that as a business person, I saw that happening. And I realized this is dead, right? So if I put sure. time into this, I'm just I'm burning my time. Like I can figure something else out. So after that, I basically for a couple of weeks, I didn't do anything. I, I did nothing. And I started reading Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. And I'm a pretty fast reader, but that wasn't fast enough for me. So then I went onto YouTube because again, I couldn't afford any of his material. So I went onto YouTube and I started just watching video after video. And I, and I actually said out loud to myself, this is my job. Like I'm going to like this guy, cause I, my buddy, Josh, the same guy that uh, the real estate guy, um, he had actually turned me on to Tony. He had done, you know, release the power within day with destiny and done the whole tour. Right. And so he would talk to me about Uncle Tony, right? <laughs> and, and about these things I'd never heard of, you know, these ideas and like principles. And it was, so we, I was hooked, but I never really followed through on it. In fact, I had a ticket to date with Destiny in December of 15 that I didn't use because I didn't have the money to get there and to stay there. And I didn't want to ask my parents. So I, he gave me a ticket that I, which you know is insane to get a date with Destiny oh, yeah. ticket. And then, yeah. like, yeah, I can't go and not to figure out a way to get there. That's where I saw the thing that like was the inflection point in my life. And he was doing an interview that was not with an outlet I'd ever heard of or a magazine or whatever website. And he was talking about the power of meaning. And he was like, it's not the events that happen to you that bring you pain or happiness or joy. He's like, it's the meaning that you assign to them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And so I like did the rewind thing 25 seconds and then I did it again. I watched it again and I just paused the video and I sat back and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Because at that time I was, I wasn't seeing my kids. I was obviously, I was broke and with not for moving back to my parents would be homeless again. I was like, wait a minute. So all this stuff, because it was, it was obviously also, I mean, I would go into these fits of like, and anyone listening that's experienced this knows exactly what I'm talking about. You have a thought, right? You have one thought, one memory, and you go, you take that memory and then you go to the next sad memory, to the next sad memory, to the next sad memory. Before you know it, you're literally melting down from, from a thought, a memory into like deep sadness into deeper sadness. And before you know it, you're into full on depression. You don't, you can't move. Right. Sure. You're that just stacking happen. all these experiences yeah, that were similar, look similar. And then all right. the meanings it had. Like to, how right? this happened? How'd I mess this up? What, you know, and just like, sure. and this like self-defeating. So I recognized that I was like, wait a minute. So hold on. If this is true, like if he's like, if he's right about this, I don't have to be so sad all the time. And so I just thought about that. I thought about it and I thought about it. And then I kept watching. And that was like late afternoon, early evening. The next morning, I, and so I just couldn't, I went to bed thinking about that. I woke up the next morning and I'm sitting there sort of what I would call meditating, but just really like thinking and pondering and just kind of having a morning experience, if you will, of whatever I was doing at the time. And, and I'm thinking about those words again, like it's not the things that happen. It's the meaning that I assign. That was the key thing that I had, I was the one who chose. Right. You're in control of that. Meaning, I was like, right? well, yeah. if yeah. I can do that. So then I started thinking about the thing that was the most, the hardest was not seeing my children and without getting into all of how that happened. You know, I mean, I did a fab, you know, like a fabulous job of screwing that up during the divorce uh, in terms of, you know, what I had, what, what my rights were and what they ended up being. But nonetheless, it was really painful. And so I was thinking, I was like, well, if this is true, then 
if I can assign, that means I can create a meaning. If I can create a meaning, what meaning would I create? And I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like just rolling that around and then it comes. And I said out loud, I said, I'm the luckiest dad on the planet. My kids are amazing. And the next time I see them on that day, I'm going to be having the best day of my life. When I said that, that, what a difference. Well, I just, as I said that to you just now, I get goosebumps all up and down my arms and legs. And I said that it's like, you know, you know, when you land on something, right. And it's right. just, you know, and it's just like seminal moment. And I just, I connected to that. And then I took that and I should say that every morning to myself, every morning, I would say that over and over again. And then I started picturing what that moment would be like and what that experience would be like. And I started picturing like, not just that, but you know, what I would be wearing and what the, you know, the, the looks on my children's faces and the laughs and the, the smiles and the giggles. And, and I just rolled that over and just like, imagine that moment from that, that was June of 2016. And on Christmas Eve day of that same year, I saw them again for the first time in, you know, in person, I hadn't seen them at that point. It was almost two years wow. that I had, since I'd seen them. So, and there's you know, a lot more that I won't get into, but that belief, that, uh, that principle of like, it's not the things that happen to us, it's the meaning that we create and then assign that changed everything for me. And as a business person today, at the time we're shooting this show, it's week seven or eight of COVID-19. And there's a lot of people going through a lot of pain right now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And my personal belief is that fortunately the business that I run is in a pretty good spot. It's interesting because a lot of the things that we went through a couple of over the last few years, when everyone else was high-fiving and, you know, and doing victory dances, we were hurting. Right. And so I've, you know, I've lived through like 10 crises, you know, in the last three years. And I'm not exaggerating, like real, like, you know, moments where it's like, okay, it's nut cutting time. Uh, that's the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for clarifying that. That was squirming in my seat right. a little bit. <laughs> so, but like that, you know, that belief of I'm the one who decides what this means it's like a muscle, right? I mean, when I started strengthening that muscle four years ago, it was not a very strong muscle and I had to really work it a lot. Four years later today, I can say with a lot of, well, with full confidence and in truth that, you know, I have had a few moments where like those crazy thoughts about, you know, like what's going to happen and what if we have 30 million more people that lose their jobs and where's our business going to go and who's going to want us to do business and do work and, is our commercial business going to go away? All the, I mean, I've had all those thoughts like you have and everybody else has because I have a brain that wants to survive. As they call it, the monkey brain, right? That, right. That little right. You know, noise that's constantly in the back of our heads. Yes. Going, hey, remember this experience? Remember this event? Remember how yeah. you were pissed off? Remember how you were depressed? Let's go back there. That's right. an easy place. We know how to be depressed and miserable right. and scared and all that. Right. That's comfortable. Let's go do that again. So, or not. Right, or not. And that's, you know, so today that's the choice that I make most of the time. I have my human moments like anybody else does. You know, we can talk about numbers all day. I mean, I had a great business at JP Morgan for 10 years, basically started with $2 million in assets. And when I left after accumulating lots more, I pared my client list down to about two to was it 200 or 300 million, you know, basically grew times a hundred at JP Morgan. 
then went and started a business. We had a very good business, managed to do that very quickly. And now today have a business that had some success, had a really good business, but they were struggling with some, some very kind of like foundational things. And that's what I brought. In spite of all that, today I could be sitting here and I could be in any number of bad places, right? And in, in here, right? And so I choose not to be there. I choose not to, to go there, to live there, to stay there. And that, you know, four years ago when I learned about meaning, that was, I mean, that was everything. And so, and that's where I live today. I love talking business. I mean, you and I spend a lot of time, you know, chatting back and forth, either just texting or I'll be actually talking on the phone, which nobody seems to do anymore. We talk about this stuff. And so I love business. And, but for me, it goes back to the reason why I'm achieving today and why the business is in a good place, at least as far as my contribution goes, it's based on that, right? I have the gift of getting to experience some of this stuff in terms of the success. And it's fun to win. I mean, anyone says they don't like winning is either, you know, has a wrong meaning or it's like delusional, right? I mean, everyone loves well, it's, winning. It's, it's the experience is winning. And the meaning you put to it is what, right? I used to enjoy wins for about 38 seconds, right? And then I was on to the next thing. And I remember my partner and I in Chicago, we put together a deal and in like our 20th month or something like that, within inside of two years, we actually bought a company of the same size and doubled our business that way, which is not totally normal to be a startup and then do an acquisition within two years. It's hard enough to be a startup. It's hard enough to be an entrepreneur and then to buy another company, integrate their culture. I mean, there's a lot of challenge, but he's a brilliant guy. One of the best business people I've ever known. And I have my own skills. We put them together and we made it work, right? Sure. So we had our uh, day one, right, with our newly formed company with these guys and had them in our office downtown on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and did the whole thing, had you know, non-alcoholic champagne and like did, did group photos, had a photographer there and just uh, brilliant. Like, I mean, it was, it was very cool, very exciting. And everyone left the office and it's just him and I and our executive, executive assistant. And we looked at each other, we gave each other a hug and went in his office and talked about what was next. That was it. There you go. The mind of an entrepreneur. That was it. That was the whole celebration. I mean, we celebrated with everybody, but it was mostly we were working, right? They were in, we were working while they were in the office because they were are now new partners and employees. And so they leave. We literally hug like, like, dude, this is awesome. And then, okay, let's get back to work. Did you so open the, the, the alcoholic, alcohol-based Well, we did when they were in the office. By, <laughs> all right, yeah, by the say, time that they left, yeah, it was like, let's tell you, Peggy, clean all this up, please. You know, <laughs> get this stuff out of the office. Like, it's time to go back to work. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that was me several years ago. You know, that was in 2013. That was several years ago now. 2020, Adrian, I enjoy those things. And in fact, 2020, Adrian... I recognize my own contribution to those things as a professional and as an operator. Mm-hmm. But today I look at like the people that work for me today. And I, in my model of the world, I work for them because yeah. while I make the decisions and hire and fire and make the wages and profit share and so on and so forth, I'm just there to serve them. Right. That's a real orange energy. It is, thing, right? And, but it's not where I was at. Where I was at several years ago was like, you know, I was a chest thumper. Wow, look what I did. I'm so young and so smart, you know, and all that, oh, you yeah. know. Just I like, remember it, man. I remember those I'm days so too. significant kind of a, and that's, you know, I mean, I'm grateful for him because without that version of me, I wouldn't be this version of me. But um, today 
I get to enjoy those moments so much more. And I do, you know, and I celebrate, I don't just wait to celebrate the big things. I celebrate the little things too. And the little wins and the, you know, the implementations that I used to just take for granted. Now it's like, this is, you know, these things, these little mini projects are the business, right? Sure. Every so, little small piece. That one yeah. It's a very shift, different. Right? Yes. Today I'm more productive as a business person. I'm also, I'm enjoying all of the little wins so much more because I was just so focused on what's next before I would never, I would never is not as too much, but I hardly enjoyed those moments. And today I live for those moments and that's yeah. a, it's a more fulfilling way to, uh, to do this. Well, you're, you're, you're quite an innovator. I mean, you, you not only just change business models, right. And different things that you get involved in, you change your life, you innovate right. your life, right. That big innovation, really, I guess one of them was just understanding the meaning you're putting to things and understanding yeah. that you have control over the meaning. The experience is the experience, right? It's always in the past. You'll never change the experience, so why dwell on it? Right. Right. It is never, right. ever, ever going to change, right? They say forgiveness, forgiveness of self and forgiveness of other people is you know, giving up all hope for a better past. The past is the past, right? right. right. So, you know, what are we going to attach the meaning to and move forward and, and really you know, have that exciting life that we know that we can have because it's, it's all within our grasp. It's all within our, it's all again in redefining the meaning. So right. you as an innovator, I mean, I've watched you innovate your company. I've known you for several years now. We met at a Tony Robbins event, yeah. uh, a date with destiny, if you will, yeah. fun, exciting seminar. And I'm glad that we reached out to each other and uh, become great yeah, friends over the last cool. couple of years. Yeah, for sure. But you know, again, because I guess for the people that are listening, if you had to say two or three things that really, you know, if, if you had to summarize, I guess, two to two, two or three things, top things to in, re-innovate your life, because you're an innovator. You're the guy that, you know, that starts things. You're the guy that, you know, is a concept guy. You can take a concept and, and make it a reality. And you took your life from what, you know, to most would be seemingly, you know, devastation. And you re-innovated yeah. your life, right? So what would you say the top three things are that you could teach our audience about what it takes to innovate your life. So first of all, when I was debating on like taking my own life, it was first of all, the decision that like, no matter what, I will find a way. And then I just held that even when it looked like there was not a way, I believed I was going to find a way. Going back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about, I totally lost this, about being from Western PA, there was this reference point I had about crashing and burning so young at 40, you know, and the Super Bowl against the Cardinals, the Steelers, we were down by like four points, I want to say, or three or four points. It was four points. Or we were up by a few points. And then the Cardinals scored with like three minutes left or like less than five minutes left in the game. And I remember watching Coach Tomlin after that, in an interview later, I think it was America's game, was talking about how he, like his instinctive response was, hey, it's good that they scored quick, right? Because it was a quick strike to Larry Fitzgerald who just was off, you know, off the races. Nobody was going to catch him. He was like, hey, it's good that he went all up and down the sideline saying, hey, it's good that they scored quick. Let's get back out there. And that was, for me, that was a huge reference point. Like, I'm glad it happened now. And as I started to think about it, it was like, I went from I'm not going to quit to I started creating, what do I want my story to be, Right. Sure. I took the, I'm not going to quit. And I started like thinking, what do I want? Right. What do I, how do I want my life to look? And so being a dreamer, a daydreamer, I started picturing myself. I mean, before I had a job, I pictured myself 
in the car because I loved the idea of motion and doing deals. So I was always a big car phone person, whether it was handheld or Bluetooth or whatever. So, you know, so I was, I would imagine myself doing deals and like being in the car, being a professional again when there was nothing happening. Well, yeah, and then I've seen you on Facebook Live. You love being in your right, car. Right, you get excited. Right. You do you do parties in your car. It's right, pretty right. Amazing, so I, right. Yeah, I love the motion, and so so I started picturing what it would be like to be contributing significantly in business and doing deals and viable again as a business person. And I started picturing that, and then I just kept like developing that. And then I realized, like, when I got out of like my head and out of like how bad things are, I started thinking about well, I've actually experienced a lot. I have a lot of reference points. I mean, at that point where I was at zero at 40, I had a successful large corporate career and I'd also had a successful startup, which is more than a lot of people have to do ever, right? So I started going back to the things like there were all these experiences and I also realized it wasn't just the successes that could propel me forward. It was the things that had gone the worst, right? Sure. It was the, the failures were actually the most valuable. So I started taking the meaning from the failures and I started going, okay, well, some of this stuff I had control over. Some of it I didn't. It was going to happen anyway. I started looking at those failures and remaking the meaning of those. And so, you know, the innovation was deciding not to, starting to get a vision and like a, like a real clear picture of what it could be. And then just like going there all the time. And then as I developed those images in my head, it became real. Like within a month, it all happened. I had, I had this guy that I work for today in this business. He's a friend of my dad's. He called me. That's why I say construction found me. I wasn't looking to get in construction. He heard that I was a smart guy, you know, and heavy air quotes. And wanted smart people in his business. Didn't know anything about what I had done other than the fact that I'd owned a business and invited me in and the rest is history, right? So you yeah. see yourself happening. So that's the first step. Like you, you absolutely... You don't just visualize. You don't just put a few things down on a piece of paper. You totally embrace the visualization of you are already there. You basically see in your mind the finished product, success, great. So that's that would probably the if that summarizes basically what the first thing you said, right? Yeah. So what well, would be another way that you innovated yourself after you see yourself doing it and you're like, okay, construction came to me. Do you think that the and I believe in this that the universe provides the answers. When you're totally focused yeah. and you're totally vision and you're, and you're committed, your mind is committed to going in one direction, the universe yes. opens itself up and says, oh, right. here's this resource, here's this money, here's the job, here's the this, here's the that. Here's everything you need to be successful once you stay focused in that vision. There are levels too. So I, I was here at, in 2016 and then you know things in terms of like with my personal life, with my kids did not go the way I thought they were going to go at the end of 16. And so there were more opportunities for growth, right? As was true in the business as well. Because I came in, I added a lot of value in a very short period of time in the business and then got like young man's disease and thought, well, hey, I could do anything, right? <laughs> Is that what that's called? Young man's disease? <laughs> well, I still have it, so. <laughs> well, I do. At times I do as well. Yeah. So I started, I started doing things that I stepped out of like what I was good at and was... I thought innovating the business and I really blew some, I blew it. I blew it on a couple of big things and it cost the business a lot for two years. We posted two years of losses. By the way, when you're a young CEO that's never been in the business and hasn't earned the respect of your staff and you have two years of losses, 
life gets pretty interesting in a small <laughs> business. Okay. Yeah. So I could share a lot of more war stories that we won't, we don't have time for today, but the next thing I did is that like, even when it wasn't going the way, like it wasn't becoming what I saw, I did not stop. I did not quit. Like I kept going, I followed through and I also adapted like crazy. We look at like these stories of Apple, for example, right? Apple's the easiest one because they're one of the largest companies on the planet. So people forget that in order for the iPhone to, ha- to happen, the Macintosh had to have a abysmal launch, right? In 84, right. the Apple II had to be a, the most boring thing on the market, but was still like their breadbasket, how they fed, how they like fed everybody. And they had to produce the Lisa, which was also an abysmal failure. And they invested in General Magic, which most people haven't heard of, which was the superstars of Silicon Valley back in the the late 90s that created the Sony, I think it was a Sony Magic Link, which was this big hunk of plastic and hardware that was the earliest version of the iPhone, which was also an abysmal failure. And General Magic went out of business after raising $100 million in in a public equity offering. People forget all that had to happen for the iPhone to happen, as well as those people went to work, went back to work for Apple and created the iPod without the iPod, without General Magic rising to being the most innovative company and then crashing and burning. There's no iPhone. Well, there's no Facebook without MySpace, right? Right. MySpace, Friendster. All of that, right? And without like, you know, Zuckerberg getting dissed. You know, I mean, if you've seen the social network, there's a lot of truth in how the whole face smash became the Facebook became Facebook. Now, one again, one of the most innovative companies on the planet. Say what you will about them, but they're an innovative company, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have the vision, but then you take action. And even when you're failing, you know, and one of the signs of a great leader, I listened to General Schwarzkopf speak once quite a while back when he was talking about Desert Storm and putting the forces together from around the world. You know how personalities don't get along necessarily with each other, even though they're neighboring countries and they even weren't the same allies Right. necessarily like each other all the time, right? Because, hey, listen, when you're a leader, you make decisions. That's what leaders do. They decide, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. You make a decision. If you're going down the wrong way, back. Make, make a decision. Yes. But do it timely and do it right and do it often because that's how success happens. So I, I agree 100%. And I think that to put it in a business context, after you've decided to be resolute and you're going forward with something, the next two critical things are listen, leave your ego out of it and adapt, 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 adapt. And when you think you've adapted enough, adapt again, right? You know, I'll give you an example. So one of, the, one of the most critical people in our business right now, for the first couple of years, he and I did not see eye to eye. And that's podcast speak for like, it was a very tumultuous relationship. <laughs> and he's, but he's a brilliant, brilliant business person and his expertise and what he does, he has tons of experience and he understands a lot. And he tried to get my attention on something that we were doing. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Because he and I were at odds and didn't get along. I did not listen to him. Right. If I I would just, you know, set my ego aside and listen to him, it was a six figure decision, hundreds of thousands of dollars we've lost and would not have lost and would have made. I mean, we're talking a big swing over the cost of me not listening to him because, because I let my emotions get involved. Right. right. Your ego gets in the way and you know, you can choose, right? You want to be right or you want to be rich. Right. Exactly. I'll, I'll let my ego get in the way. I'll, I got to right. win. I got to be right. Got to win at all costs. Right. Well, and he's one of the guys that I work for today. Right. So when I was talking about working for people, I, you know, he's one of the people that I lean on him heavily now. 
and now it's a, in terms of our small staff, it's one of the better partnerships because I'll go, I'll go to them and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Sure. Right. And I get all this feedback back and that's, I wouldn't even have asked him a year and a half ago. And so there's so much, I, you know, it's like, I missed a lot by not, you know, because my ego is involved because I'm, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm this and I'm that, right. I'm this big, you know, whatever, <laughs> this self image of myself. And I just didn't have the humility to go, I don't know the answer and I'm not, and I, I shouldn't be so certain about this because I don't really know the answer. Right. But again, leader, take it, you take a chance, right? You take it, you make a decision and you right. do something, but keeping your ego out of it and doing what's best for the company, right? And my company runs on three principles. Do your best, do the right thing, show other people that you care. And I ripped that from somebody That's else good. who talked yeah. to me, right? That's so really good. When you, when you, when you act on those three principles, ego doesn't really have a space in that, in that space, right? Or right. when you're coming from a place of gratitude, when you're changing the meaning of things, yeah. right? Ego doesn't really have a space to live in there either. Right. So, you know, we're coming close to the close. I, one more, one more tip that you'd say as far as being innovative. So you, you, you see yourself there, you definitely take action yeah. and you keep moving. You get your ego out of the way. One last tip. I think that, you know, one of the other things that I've done in terms of innovating and adapting is that I spend a lot of time, like I don't allow myself to get sucked into working in the business all the time. So I do work in the business. I also work on the business and I work on the business a lot, you know, so I consistently over the last, well, over my career, but in terms of the business that I'm running today, I work on the business a lot. And so today I have a very crystal clear picture of where I'm taking this business from every measurable like revenue, you know, what I'm looking for out of uh, our cost of goods sold, uh, overhead costs, the things that I can innovate from project management. I mean, I could, you know, I could take you through any number of things that I'm measuring. And so once you've done some of these foundational things, you got to get real specific. So today in my, I just use iPhone notes. So I have an iPhone note, I pull it up and it's my version of a to-do list, but the very top of it has basically the big outcomes that I want in the business right now. And then the next four or five things are the five ways I think we're going to get those. And then after I scroll past those, then I get to what my, my action items are or like my next steps, I think. But because I'm always focused on the outcome, oftentimes I'll delete those or I'll you know have someone else do them. They don't even have to be done by me. And so I have, I've taken you know, those things. And I have a now a specific system that obviously we're not going to get into today, but a specific system that I leverage so that like, I'm always spending time on the most important things. I have time to listen. You know, the, the thing about being in business is it's not like drinking from one fire hose. That's the thing. People go, oh, I'm drinking from fire hose. No, you're drinking from 20 all at once and you get shot in the back, you know, like, right. And the bullets are whizzing by your head. It's, it's so much more than that. And so because that's what business is, like I have this clear picture of from an outcome standpoint, like revenue, cost of goods, overhead. I've got things we're targeting in the business, ways we're going to innovate this year, where that's going and, you know, hiring, you know, just, I mean, all across the board, developing our people internally. And then when you do that, like innovation comes faster because I also, I'm a heavy, heavy note taker. So my partner and I were just talking about this uh, yesterday unrelated to this, I have like 2,300 notes now in my iPhone, Apple iPhone notes that I've collected over the last like 13 years. That's incredible. 
So there's probably, I've got some that are just a page. I've got some that are probably 20 pages. So I just did some rough math. There's like, I'm not joking, like 4,000 pages of notes that I've taken in the last 13 years. And I refer back to them. I use, so now I have a library of, you know, it's, ne- it's never too late to start this. I have a library and I've got an organizational system, again, that I won't get into in terms of like, I've built my life by outcomes and categorized my entire life. And so now like my business has a category. And so when I go in there, it's like everything's organized and available. It's my version of what the Iron Man, you know, like where he's moving <laughs> things around with his hands. You know, I do that. But like I have all this in my iPhone notes. So I go into one note in one category and it's got these outcomes. And so the applicable version of that for anyone who's going, this sounds crazy. Like this guy's insane. That is true. But the applicable version of that is start somewhere, right? Start with an outcome, decide why it matters, you know, get conviction about why you're doing this thing. Cause without any reasons, you're not going to follow through and then write it down. Like no, take notes, take notes, take notes, take notes. Have a plan. Have a yeah. Plan. And then, and when you have an idea, have a way to have a way to capture it. I just use the, you know, I put it under the heading of, I know this is going to sound brilliant capture, right? So whenever I have an <laughs> abstract genius. idea, I know it's <laughs> genius, groundbreaking, groundbreaking. Oh, yes. Innovative again. Put it under capture. And so I have lots of notes that are captures, but even the today now, and Tony Robbins talks about this, you know, our super mentor. So even the habit now, because I've done this for 13 years, actually I've done it probably for 15 years in my iPhone for 13, because I've done this for so many years now, just the physical act of like typing with my thumbs now of typing with my thumbs and putting those notes in actually gets it deeper in my short and long-term memory. So I have this library now that I pull from. And so as a business person, I'm I'm innovating much quicker with more speed because I have so many more reference points today. And so I just like, I just keep taking it. Like when I think I've innovated a lot, I go, well, there's gotta be more, you know, what else is there? Ask myself that question. Great question, by the way, because it'll take you to what else there is. Right. So I ask myself the question, bam, and I've got what else. So it's kind of like anything else. Like I look at the greatest innovators and, you know, they are clear on what they want. They're clear on what they're shooting for. They're clear on why they're doing it. They have a real mission and they're also obsessive note takers. And so I've kind of married those things. Even if they look like they're disorganized, they have an organization. There's a system to it. Even if it it looks to the outside. Yeah. Even if it looks like insane, just one of us on the outside, there's a system there. And so I put those things into my own life and business. And so that's how... I have the time to run a business successfully, a small business, and have time to have, you know, real friendships with people like you that I connect with, you know, and it's not like always, you know, it's not rush. When we get on the phone, we enjoy talking to each other and I have time with my partner, my life partner, and she and I do stuff and we have fun and we play and goof around and I'm not stressed out even though I could be, you know, if I didn't choose to live this way, I would easily be stressed out. Like a lot of people I know that will be listening to this are living. It's easy to stay there. It's a choice not to. Well, that comes all the way back full circle to the start of the conversation. We're talking about meaning, right? The yes. meaning you put to time with, with Tina, right, is important. The, time, the meaning you put to t- taking time with your friends is important. So you do right. it. We could all look at this and go, well, I should be working on my business. I should be working on, you know, I got to be doing this and this because the action item list never goes away. There's never. always more to can do, always. Yes. Yes. But if you're not taking time for, or you're not changing the meaning if you will, about 
being productive in your business. I'm productive in my business when I do A, B, and C. I don't have to go A to Z every single day because right. there'll always be A to Z every day. But if I get A, B, and C done today, guess what? I got time to go work out. I got time to spend with my partner. I got yeah. time to spend with my kids. I got time to spend with my friends. I got time to spend for myself. I got time to meditate, whatever, right? And that's the key. So Adrian, thanks a ton. Really, seriously, brother. I mean, we, I could talk to you for hours yeah. uh, <laughs> for you. being on my show today. You absolutely embody the orange crushing it. And for those that don't really understand what that means, orange crushing it is just the desire to be driven, to be enthusiastic, to win, yeah. to feel successful, to feel important, special, significant. We all have it inside of us and we all tap into it when we need to. And we all want more of it. And Adrian, you embody that passion and, and results. And, and again, it's a real pleasure having you on the show today. I want to thank you. And how, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or just even get to know you? Unlike a lot of other people, <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a public Facebook business profile. Um, the thing that I'm the most active on is my personal Facebook page. And I've turned that on so people can follow me. Sure. So just like a public profile, because I figure I've got all these, I, everything I've ever done is on there. And, you know, if anyone's interested in learning, you know, if you're interested in more of this, not because I'm so special or fancy or whatever, but if, you, if you've connected with something I've said, a lot of my story is on my Facebook page. I've shared that with Facebook friends, but I also have a lot of it I've shared publicly, actually, as a public post. So um, maybe, do you put the link? Can you put the link? Yeah, I'll, well, this? I'll... Yeah, well, it's Adrian, Adrian R. Park is your Facebook name. Yeah, right? I want to say it's Facebook front slash Adrian dot R dot Park, I believe is what it is. There you go. So if you want to touch base with Adrian, look him up on Facebook. He's, he's, he, he runs, and by the way, randomly he'll throw out just a watch party <laughs> with the greatest rave music. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's good fun. I mean, we yeah. do, we, we, I call them awake parties. There's no charge. It's just something I do for our community. And it's basically, it's like a, a virtual festival meets a Tony Robbins event meets like the greatest chat ever. It's fun. Uh, it's a fun little so, party, especially, you know, who knows how long this pandemic's going to keep going on. So if you yeah, think another one, get, get involved with Adrian yeah. and find out about this stuff. And they're a fun way to connect with a ton of people all at one time yeah, and listen beautiful. to some good music and have a good time. Yeah. So. Uh, Adrian, again, thanks for being on here. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for having um, me. I'm looking forward to having you guys again. Again, this is Orange Crushing It. I'm Frank Clark. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, you know, write us a great review. Share it with a bunch of your friends. Subscribe to the channel. But as always, have a great day and stay inspired. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe. Share it with your best buds, and please write a badass review. You can also reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, all.